Hello. Thank you for joining us today for the Harvest Time Church weekly podcast. As you listen today, we pray that you are richly blessed and that the message would guide you deeper into your walk with Jesus and help you to advance His kingdom here on earth. Have a blessed day. You know, it's funny that uh, the, the joke going around lately is that, you know, Texans will ride a hurricane to hell and back. But as soon as the power and the cold comes, it's game over. Shut Texas down. I know, I know so many of us have struggled with water line breaks and freezing and no water. And, you know, my wife and I had the privilege of, of being able to spend some time in Africa. And, and it was one of those uh, things that when you flip the light switch, you didn't know if you had power or not. When you go to flush the toilet, you didn't know if you had water or not. Now, I know this week, and some of you are still struggling with getting all your pipes fixed and all of those things, but it, it is just a, a, a humbling reminder of, of the blessings that we have in this life. It's a man, I never thought I, water was so important. You know, at some point, water is more important than electricity, even though you like to be comfortable. Is he turning on the heat or he's turning on the AC? Oh, thank you, Lord. All right. Oh. You know, so, but, but we, we just take these little things for granted. And I think if we look around, we see the, you know, the blessings of God in every moment. Every single day that we get up and we get an opportunity to live this life. And now, how, how, many of you, how many of you have the only option to get up on one side of your bed? My wife's on the other, so I always got to go off on the same side, right? Some of your beds may be against the wall, right? But we say sometimes if we get up on the right side of the bed, maybe if you're on the wrong side, switch with your wife. No, but every day that we get out of bed, we have a chance to, to really conquer the day, a chance to be thankful for so many things. You know, you know the, the, the chance to go around and smile about the goodness of the Lord. You want to know what's inside? Get squeezed a little bit. How do you do that? <laughs> we turn off your power and we cut off your water. And if you're like me, my wife doesn't feed me. I know, I'll notice I get hangry real quick. So I can, I can last a long time without water, but if I'm not eating, man, and I'm not fasting, and I'm not spiritually right, all that flesh comes out. Amen, but every day, guys, we get a chance to just, uh, you know, reflect on the goodness of the Lord. So I just, if you have not taken a moment to find something to be thankful for before I go anywhere into this message, I want you to find something. Think about something and say, thank you, Lord. Amen. Life's too short to miss those small moments of His goodness and His handiwork all through it. Amen? So we are on week three of our People series. So our People series, if you haven't caught it, you can check our uh, podcast out. You can go back and look at our Facebook videos. Like we have the whole live service, the worship, and the message available to you. Uh, you can go, go to our website, all of the... which. I'm kind of behind on updating them because this last week was crazy. But, you know, we usually have all of the, the messages if you like to watch them and different things like that. But those are available for you to go back. But we are in week three of our People series. Okay, so our People series focuses on knowing who you are as a son and daughter of God. That's been the focus point. That's been our goal. That's been our strategy at looking at, at people, realizing that, that, that people are important to God. And if people are important to God, guess what? They need to be important to us. You know, I get, I get opportunities all the time to love people or to judge people or to rebuke people or even, and you know, but you know, you know how God sees it? Even if you don't say it, if you think it, God still holds it against you. How many of you, how many of you don't ever say what you want to say, but you think it? 
You know, it says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So, well, I wanted to say it. Well, we thought it. You know, there's, there's stuff inside of us that God really needs to polish in us sometimes. But knowing who we are, learning to love people like, like Christ loves people. Hey, this last week, uh, we had the opportunity to help Power Church keep the, uh, uh, the shelter open all week, 24-7, day and night. I saw they had a need. I said, hey, what's the need? But Pastor, you're smart. I just don't write the check. I said, hey, meet with all your people. Tell me what the difference is. Harvest time will cut the check for the rest. So we were able to do that. No strings attached. The well, somebody asked, hey, do we need to take up a love offering? Hey, we are good stewards with everything that comes in in the house. We're just going to write the check. We're going to pay for it. I don't have to pass a bucket. And somebody said, well, will you ever? I said, if I need money, you're going to know it. (laughs) Right? You're going to find out. Hey, man, what are we doing with these buckets? We need some money in the house, right? But God has been faithful to us. He's been good to us, right? But opportunity to help people, you know, seeing the faithfulness of the Lord, you know, because, you know, I get frustrated sometimes. We help the homeless shelter, and then we ran out of water. You know, so there's this balance. There's this fighting us saying, you know, because we were even thinking that night, I said, man, it'd be cool to open the church to, you know, house some people in here. And that night, the power and the water messed up. We didn't have power here. We didn't have water here. I said, well, God, thank God we didn't do that. Because we wouldn't have been able to help out much. They just showed us, no water, no power. I mean, I guess you can sleep, but we don't have heat and we don't have water. But I see that, you know, in this trusting the Lord, when we reach out and bless people and we focus on people, there's still going to be challenges amongst it. Life is real. Life is hard. If you don't have a rainy day fund, you better work on that. I think some of us had some rude awakenings of pipes busting, things happening. Like, man, I didn't plan for that. You know, just because we're Christians doesn't mean nothing bad is going to happen. Right? You know, but one thing I try to do, guys, just to be transparent, I, you know, I, I budget myself. I have emergency funds. I do all of these things because I know I trust God, you know, but I'm not, I'm not one of those zero dollars in the bank kind of faith guys. Well, some of you are, you're like, well, I ain't got the money. I'm just going to write the check. Good luck with that. I don't know. I don't know how that works. <laughs> if it says zero, unless somebody does an accounting error, I don't know. But it's just trusting the Lord. But, it, you know, I think when we do things that, that cost us more or that cost us extra and we invest in people and we have the opportunity to help others, I think there's going to be, you know, the, the adversary of this world is going to come against us and cause us to possibly be discouraged. He says, you're helping those, and now you can't even help your own people, and your well's busted. You don't have water. You're not even going to be able to have church. You know, and this week, you know what I committed to do, guys? I said, I'm going to do everything in my power, then I'm going to release it to the Lord. Now, I was doing a lot of chomping at the bit sitting around because I couldn't do anything. And I'm a worker. I'm a builder. I like to, if I can get it done in my own strength, we will do it. We were talking to guys about pulling the well manually. But I said, no, Lord, we're going to let this company do it. I'm going to trust that the timing is going to be right, that they're going to show up because they told us they were going to show up. So then I said, Lord, I'm going to trust them at their word, but it's completely out of my control. And then Friday, right before five o'clock, I said, all right, you just got to let me know. Are we having church? Or are we not having church? So I got a lot of people I need to tell. All of you guys show them we're not having church. You're like, what are we doing? Right? So we wanted to know. But man, the faithfulness of the Lord was there. Okay. You know, so, so, so looking today as we focus more on people, we're going we're gonna to look at, the, at our core passage, but, you know, how many of you uh, growing up or when you watch movies, sometimes you have thought of, of pretending to be the prince or pretending to be the king? None of the guys are going to be like me, but, you know, you did it when you were younger. You know, you wanted to be the cool, or Aladdin. Think about Aladdin was cool, right? You know, think of the ones you're like, man, I'd love to do that or be that, you know, or whatever, you know, or, 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 the, or the ladies in the house, you know, dreaming of being the queen or the princess and having all these 
these things. But sometimes the, rude reality, the, 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 the harsh reality is, as soon as that movie's over, it seems like our dreams die. That our dreams and our focuses are caught up in, in, in a false reality in a movie, and when that movie's over, it's just like, well, what is it? It, the dream was nice while it lasted. Now, some of you love watching those shows over and over again because you, rel- rel- you relive it, right? But let me tell you what, I'm going to let you in on a little secret this morning. If you are a child of King Jesus, you are of royal descent this morning. That is way better than Aladdin. Any Disney movie that you would portray or you would say, man, I would love to be that. If you would realize who you are, and that's the focus of this people series, is understand who you are. So this core passage, 1 Peter 2, 9 through 10, we've been talking about it uh, this whole series, but it says you are a chosen people, and these are the two things we're going to look at this morning. You are a royal priesthood and a holy nation, a royal priesthood and a holy nation. Let me just read the rest of it for context. God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were were not a people, but now you are a people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. So what comes to mind when you hear the word or you hear the, the, the phrase royal priesthood? You know, that's not something like, you know, we go around, hey, good job, you're in the priesthood, you know. These are like old time, you know, uh, sayings, you know, where we think of the three musketeers or these different, you know, this different time frame when, you know, there was this royalty and, you know, knights and queens and dragons. And, you know, we think of this time frame of where all of these things happen, but this royal priesthood. So do you know that the word royalty actually by definition is being a people of royal blood? Notice I said royal blood. Or status. And the word priesthood is the office or function of a priest, the condition of being a priest. So it's not just about doing the duties of a priest, but it's actually being a priest. Okay, so the duties and the responsibilities of being a priest in the Old Testament uh, uh, gives us a good framework for really what I believe we should be doing today as a royal priesthood, as a holy nation. So we're going to look at some passages this morning from the Old Testament and how, how do those foreshadow, how do those show what we should be doing today or what our thought process should be or who we are today, okay? So, you know, uh, many of the things in the Old Testament, you know, they're really a foreshadowing of what was to come. We don't realize that until we see the whole picture, but we read the Old Testament it's like, man, that sure seems like it was talking about this over here. And it absolutely was. Right? There was tons of prophetic words that came to pass in the New Testament. I thank God, you know, I'm on that backside of it where I can read the Old Testament, I can read the New Testament, and I'm living on this side of all of it. You know, I'm in the new covenant of grace, which the price has been paid, and I see, I've seen all of these things come to pass, and, you know, the Lord is in enlightening that bridge that was, that was gapped, that, that was covered by Jesus, connecting the Old Testament to the New Testament, fulfilling the promise of the Old Testament through the New Testament. Okay, so we have to understand that uh, the priests of the Old Testament were responsible for the ministry of the temple. They were carriers of the presence of God. So they carried around the Ark of the Covenant, which at the time is where the presence of the Lord dwelled. It was, it was their, their duty, their responsibility to be carriers of the presence of God. Okay, so the Levites, so these were the priests that God, that, that God set apart, the descendants of Levi who served with the priest in the temple. So the Levites were set aside for the work of ministry. They were the priests that would be the carriers of the presence of God. They would be responsible for the temple. They would be responsible for all all of the the tabernacle work, the sacrifices, all of these things. That's what the priests were called to do. So when you have one priest, that's their duties. But when you have a group of them, that is a priesthood. That's a large group of people, okay? Okay. 
All right, so, so you may be asking me, Pastor, why in the world are we talking about priests? Why do we need to know what priests are? Why, do, why is it so important? So what I want you to get this morning, because you are a priest. So we're gonna bridge that gap of what that looks like and why it's so important. Deuteronomy 10, eight through nine. It says, at that time, the Lord set apart the tribe of Levi to carry the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, to stand before the Lord to minister and to pronounce blessing in his name as they still do today. Verse 9, it says, for, they, for this is why the Levites have no share or inheritance among the brothers. The Lord is their inheritance. Their provisions were taken from the portions that were designated to them from the Lord. So the portions given at the temple, they were designated to, to, to the Levites. So if you look at Numbers 18, 8 through 32, if you want to jot that down and read it later, I'm not going to cover all of that. But uh, Numbers 18, 8 through 32, it talks about all of these things that were for the Levites, for their provision. You know, as the offerings were brought to the house, there was provisions made for them. So they, they were not shortchanged at all. They were very taken care of. But the cool thing about that, it says, you know, that the Lord was their inheritance, and how many of you know land is good, but the Lord is better? You know, I think about that sometimes of, all, you know, my family, like, you know, why didn't my family not invest in land? Like, you know, it'd be like, man, just enough to stock a pond, to put a few bass on that I can just go and just catch a bass, awesome, throw it back and have property, to just do whatever, right? I think about that sometimes. It's like, man, why did we not invest in land? But what my family did invest in was Christianity and values, and a legacy, and a generational blessing of the Lord on my life. You know, but I think sometimes we just value one thing over another, and we don't realize that sometimes what the Lord gives us is best, rather than what we think we want. You know, and I think that that's the thing. How many of you know every single commercial has a motive? You know, I was watching, you know, I'm an iPhone guy. If you're an Android person, I'm sorry. But like, you know, I've been watching these Android commercials. They look really cool. And at the end, it says, you may, this phone may cause you to experience envy. Like, I mean, they're bold. They're going in there. They're not sugarcoating anything. Like, you will be jealous for this phone. Like, but think about it. Even though we don't say that, but that commercial was saying that, sometimes we're like that. We look at things, and we want things, and we desire things, and we put that over value versus the Lord. But if we, now, if we have the Lord as our most prized possession and the number one thing in our life... All of those other things will find meaning and purpose, but they won't, be, they won't ever be as important in your life. I think sometimes we've got to identify if there's an idol on our heart that is of more importance than God. But he says that the Lord is their inheritance. So the three responsibilities that, that the priest had, they were to carry the presence of God, they were to minister to God, and they were to bless the people. And that passage says, as they are still doing today, as they are still supposed to be doing. All right? So the Levites in the Bible, you know, their work was in the tent of meeting, you know, and their, their goal was, you know, to on behalf of the Israelites to make atonement. So they would do the blood sacrifice. They would do all the work so that, you know, when they would come in, that no plague would strike the Israelites when they'd go near the sanctuary. Numbers 8, 19. You don't believe me. They would make restitution. They would consecrate. They would make sure that you, you, if you came near, it says, so that no plague will strike you. Now, let me tell you what. They would make atonement, but let me tell you what. Today, Jesus has made the final atonement for us. 
Because if we got what we deserve, you know, think about if it was that same way, that inside the four walls of the church, that this was the tabernacle or this was the tent of meeting where the, where the presence of the Lord met and there was somebody out in the foyer before you came in doing all this blood stuff, flinging all kinds of stuff around, like, what are you doing? I'm making atonement for you so that you won't be struck dead and you won't, you won't have any sickness come over you or infirmity or anything, you know, like they were doing all this work because what would happen if sin, if you were not, if there was not atonement made for and you come in, it would kill you. This was some scary stuff, you know, inside the inner, you know, uh, inside where the Ark of the Covenant was. And I don't know, you guys have maybe heard this story or not, but it's really cool because, you know, inside there were these, these huge curtains you know, um, and, and they were, you know, and you just would go through the, you know, there would be one person once per year that would go in and he'd make atonement for the sins and do the sacrifice in the inner courts. Now, the priest would go in and he'd wear his robe and he'd wear bells, but they would also tie a rope around his ankle. So as long as you heard like Santa Claus coming to town, ching, 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 you know the priest was okay. But if those bells quit ringing, that's what the rope was for. Because they weren't right before they stepped into the inner courts of his presence and they fell dead and they just drug him out. Thank God for Jesus' atonement today. Because I think there'd be a time in our lives we'd all be struck dead at the, at the threshold. <laughs> like, Pastor, no, we had a bad day. Gone. Like, let's, who wants to pastor next? Nobody would want to do it. <laughs> right? You think about but that's, that's what it would be like. But we think, we think about, you know, we take it so lightly, but we have gotten so comfortable in the presence of the Lord that there's no reverence or fear. So we think, it's okay, God doesn't care. You sure about that? It's, God, God loves me just the way I am. Yeah, he loves you, but he, he deals with sin. He does not like sin. All right, we're going somewhere. It's not on my notes. We're all right. We, we, God wants to deal with the heart issues. He wants to deal, deal with the, the dark things within us that need to change. But if every single day that we would say, Lord, search me, know me. If there's anything in me that doesn't please you, remove it. Because you know there's certain things that we can do just like that water well pump. Man, we made the phone calls. We were following up with a lady. We kept calling. I was about to say, what can I pay you extra to come like right now? Tell your guys, I'll take them out to lunch. And I'm trying to do everything, you know, like work it out. But let me tell you what, there is a portion that we do. And then there's a portion that's up to God. And those things that we can't change usually are what? Up to God to change, to remove, to t change the mindset. Well, I'm just always like, well, quit saying that because the words of your mouth, there's power. There's life and death in the power of the tongue. You keep speaking things over your life into existence and the enemy gives you an amen and you're living it and you don't know why. So begin to change your motive, change your thoughts, say, change what you say, and make sure those things align to the obedience of Christ's word. Because atonement's been made. Right? But we also have to pay attention to the power of the blood and the importance and the significance of it. You know, anytime I come to worship, you, you guys know I was a worshiper, I could play guitar? How many of you did not know that I was a musician or could sing? Man, I hardly ever do it. It's so funny. Like, man, Pastor, we did. Now, you might have heard some jazz notes this morning, and that's what I'm going to call it. A little rusty. There's a few moments I was like, what chords am I playing? I don't know. What are my hands doing? Oh, God, help me. Right? And you just move on, and hopefully y'all are clapping and singing and ain't paying no attention. But, uh, you know, before I come in to the presence of the Lord, I always remember the cross. Is God super offended when I mess up? No, but he sure cares about my heart. 
But if I can reflect on what he's done and I can remember the cross, guess what? Now I can come boldly before his throne of grace with confidence and know that, hey, I'm a son of God. Which really answers the question of who we are. And if we're priests, what are our responsibilities? To carry the presence of God, to minister to God, and to bless the people. So let's just look at that model real quick. We fun- I believe the worship team this morning functioned and moved and, and worked in that capacity of being carriers of the presence of God. First and foremost, we did minister to God. But when I pray over you at the end, I am commanding a blessing. We are speaking over you. We are blessing the people. Pastor Noah, you mean we're still doing that today? Absolutely. So that they had a primary responsibility. Okay? So the priests were the carriers of the presence of God. They were holy and they were... So that word holy, when we look at that word holy, it's, it means set apart. It doesn't mean righteous, perfect, unflawed. It's being set apart for a purpose. You know, holy, you know, which I think there's times that God says, yes, be holy as I am holy, which is talking about the sin issue. But there in this passage, he is talking about a holy nation, a nation that has been set apart for his purpose and his plan and for his motives. You say, God has motives? Absolutely. God has agendas? Absolutely. He doesn't just go around carelessly without any plan. Before the earth began and he began to spin it on its axis, on the fingernail of his hand, as he began to just spin it into orbit, he had a plan, he had a purpose. God is not a God of chaos, but he's a God of order. He has a plan, he has a strategy. There's something that he's doing working in your life. You say, Pastor Noah, I ain't seeing it right now. Are you doing your part and are you allowing God to do his? Because if you are, you should begin to see change in your life. Now, some of you this morning may say, man, Pastor Noah, I've been doing, I've been, you know, I've been asking for change in my life and, you know, I've been seeking the Lord. And then, and then I ask you the question, did you do what he told you to do last? Well, no. <laughs> Go back to the last thing the Lord told you to do and do it. Why would God expect you to be obedient to the, th- to the things that are coming up if you haven't been faithful and obedient to the things that he's already told you to do? Some of us know some moves we need to make in our home. Some of us may know some moves we need to make in our marriage or with our children or, you know, in our workplace or whatever it is. We already know those things. How many of you, when God speaks, you're like, all right, Lord, amen, but what about this, God? We redirect, you're like, okay, I didn't want that answer. So we didn't get the answer we want, so we asked another question. I was, I was talking to a young man uh, in our production team, and he was running, he was running the sound for the, the live stream. And I went up there. I said, what's the Lord saying? His eyes get real big. I don't know. I said, why well, are you listening? Well, I think so. I said, I said, do you pray? He says, yeah. I said, well, do you listen when you pray? I said, sometimes the most important things in a moment of prayer is what God says, not what you say. So it's those moments that we pray and we seek the Lord. And, and I encourage him. I said, even while you're doing that, because some of these things that we do, you know, in, in if you're not a part of a production team or worship team or all the logistics that make Sundays happen, you do not understand all the technical stuff that goes into it. But even amongst that, can we tap into what the voice of the Lord is saying? Can we even amongst that, you know, and I just think that it's just, uh, I think mixing sound and music and all, it's just, a, it's just a cool thing because it's like, Lord, what are you saying? What do you want us to do? How do you want us to kind of ride this wave of your spirit and help the people usher into it? You know? But even amongst what we're doing, the busyness of all these things, can we tap in in that moment and say, Lord, but what are you saying? Or what have you already said? 
And Lord, have I been obedient or have I been disobedient? Let's see if it doesn't produce change in our life. Man, I don't know what God's want to tell some of y'all this morning because I'm getting way off. Come back. So the priests were the ones responsible for the tabernacle. God set the Levites apart, you know, to take care of the temple, the responsibility of the tabernacle. So the Levites, they'd prepare the sacrifices, the offerings, you know, and really they would do this to appease the anger of the Lord. You know, I, I just, it's just a funny way that God used to do it, which he still does it today because a blood sacrifice is still required. Jesus had to die a gruesome, bloody death so that we might receive forgiveness which was the final atonement, you know, but man, I just think about it. You know, let's say you're taking your offering or your sacrifice for your sin to the tabernacle or you're just walking, you trip on a rock, you fall, you hit your head and die. Man, I got the, I had my offering right here, like, but I didn't yet have restitution for that sin, you know, which it's, these are jokes, right? God still love you, still forgive you. Like, but I think about it, it's like, man, like I was almost there. I was on my way and I didn't make it. But that's why Jesus' blood was so much better, guys. It, it saturated everything we've done, everything we're doing, everything we will do. It reaches into our past and washes those things away. It continues to purify us and clean us in our present, and it gives us a good hope of a promise of a, of a healthy, awesome future. His blood will last a lifetime. So they were responsible for carrying the presence of God, ministering to the people, and blessing the people. So these are some of the same primary responsibilities that should still be being done today, okay? So let's look real quick what happens when the people of God decide to do what's easier rather than what was required, okay? So carrying the presence versus putting the presence of God, the Ark of the Covenant, on a cart. Some of, some of you might know where I'm going with this story, but in 1 Samuel 6, 7 through 8. So, th- so these were the Philistines, because I started thinking, who in the world put it on a cart to begin with? So, you know, the Ark of the Covenant was built in a configuration where it had these long acacia poles covered in gold that was supposed to be carried by the Levites. It was their responsibility. Nobody else should touch it, but for some reason they got it all twisted, started doing whatever they wanted. So I, w- I looked back, I was like, well, who in the world put it on a cart to begin with? If it's the Levites, guess what? They should have known better. So the first, like I was looking at this, so in 1 Samuel, it says, now then, get the cart ready with two cows that have calved and, and place a yoke on them, hitch the cows to the cart, but take the calves away and pin them up. Then it says in verse 8, take the ark of the Lord and put it on a cart. So the Philistines put it on a cart. Well, they didn't know any better. I mean, that's fine. You know, a heathen's not going to know God's requirements. He's not going to know his standards. They're going to do whatever looks easier. Well, it looked easier to put it on a cart than to carry it. But that wasn't God's design. He didn't want it to be placed on an ark. He wanted it to be carried. Okay? So then if we keep on going, you know, in Exodus 25, 13 through 15, it says, this is with the instruction. He said, then make the poles of acacia wood and overlay them with gold. Insert the poles into the rings on the side of the ark for carrying it. Listen to verse 15. The poles are to remain there in the rings of the ark. Okay? So my first thing, if I have poles on the side of this thing, you don't think that's a good reminder to carry it and not place it on a cart? It says, leave the poles there. Now, Becky, we, I was talking to her because we were trying, we we're saying, is there theology behind this? Is there not? Or, you know, but I just want you to be challenged by this. She goes, well, maybe they took the poles out. Maybe. Then the poles weren't there. No, what'd they do with the poles? But if the poles are still there, wouldn't it be obvious? I mean, it don't take a rocket science, right? If you got this big old box with these two long poles, man, those, man, those sure look like it'd be built for carrying it. Well, let's put it on a car. That looks better. 
right? We reduce what God expected. We, we, do, we, do, we do what we want rather than what God has said. Okay? So it should have been a reminder to the Levites, to the priest. First Chronicles 13, 7 through 9. So this is what happened. They moved the ark of God to Benadab's house on a new cart. So every time they got a new cart, they were trying to be all right, right? We're going to do a new cart, man. We're going to get the top, you know, cows to pull it, all of these things, a new yoke, new whatever. I mean, they, they were trying to do what they, what they thought was right. It says, so, and it says, uh, put it on a new cart, and Uzziah and Eho uh, guided it. David and all the Israelites were celebrating with all their might before God. So look at this picture. So they're excited, they're celebrating, they're worshiping. How many of you at that point think they're doing it right? If you were just looking, I would. Like, if I'm just looking at it and I didn't know any better, they're excited, they're praising, they're taking the presence of God back the Ark of the Covenant, back to their house. You know, they're celebrating. It says with songs, they're celebrating. It's like a worship service, man. It's like, man, something's got to be, they got to be doing it right. And then it says, you know, with harps, lairs, timbers, cymbals, and trumpets. In verse 9, when they, came, when, the, when they came to the threshing floor of Kidon, uh, Uzziah reached his hand out to steady the Ark because the ox stumbled. You know what happened that day? He died. Because he touched the Ark of the Covenant, which was another big no-no. Let's go a little bit further. First Chronicles 15.2. He says, After David had constructed buildings for himself in the city of David, he prepared a place for the Ark of God, and he pitched a tent for it. Then David said, No one... You know, then he says... Finally figured it out, right? No one but the Levites may carry the Ark of God. Because the Lord has chosen them to carry the ark of the Lord and to minister before, before him forever, okay? 1 Corinthians 15, 2. So just like the Levites, you know, and the priests of the Old Testament were to carry the presence of God, we are a priesthood of God today, and we should still be carriers of the presence of God. So I'm bridging that gap for you, okay? We learn from all this stuff. But there's a lot of us, how many, okay, don't raise your hand, but I believe that there are many of you that think it's my responsibility to carry the presence of the God for you. Don't raise your hand. Oh, no, that's me, right? But no, God intended each of us as priests of a priesthood to all be carriers of the presence of God. Because something changed, you know, in the Old Testament versus the New Testament, the presence of God no longer resided in a tent surrounded by the cherubim and, all, you know, by the Ark of the Covenant, but it says that, that presence now what lives within inside of us. So we are still carriers of the presence of God. Because the presence of God is within us. They say, well, Pastor Noe, where's the, where's the poles? You're looking right here. Pole number one, pole number two. <laughs> You're still carrying it. Okay? You know, so if we look at this in the Old Testament, God, you know, he, uh, he, had, a pre he had a priesthood, but today God's people are a priesthood. You are a priest. So each individual believer has the privilege of coming before the presence of God. You know, uh, we don't have to, you know, we don't have to go through any mediator. You know, I know some people get stuck with that. I mean, and I've seen it too. Pastor, you got to pray for me. I said, well, have you prayed? No, but it's just different, Pastor, when you pray. Man, I, I, I'm still going to go through Jesus. That's the only way it works. Like, I can't, I mean, I'm not the holy one that's going to make it happen. Jesus was the holy one that made it happen. But he, but he, he, he removed that, that mediation needed between God and man. 
so that we could all, what, come before his, his throne of grace with boldness. Hebrews 4.16, it says, let us approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace uh, in our time of need. So in that moment of need, you can approach the throne of grace. You can come before Father God. You have the right to as a child of God. Realize that? We have to understand that, you know, he is alive in glory within us interceding with us, and, and he can minister, and we can minister as his holy priest because of that. I always think about when I ask something of God, like, God, will you help with this, or Lord, help us with this? And I just see Jesus, because it says that he sits at the right hand of God making intercession, so he's pretty much the, the telephone game, right? You know, like, I make my request, it hits Jesus, and then Jesus is like, hey, Dad, hook him up. That's kind of how it works. It's just, he's right there, you know? And it's like, hey, Dad, I need more. Like, you know, and he's just, he's just giving it, and he's just releasing it to us. You know, but I have access to the, to the Father through the Son. I do. And guess what? You do also. So before you set up a meeting with me or come talk to me, talk to the Father first. Amen? Well, Pastor Noe, I need your help. Well, did you pray about it? That's why I'm here. No, did you pray about it? Because God can fix anything. He can work out anything in your life. So we're not only carriers of his presence, but we can boldly approach God's throne of grace with confidence. So let's look a little bit closer what it means to be set apart. You know, so it says that we are a holy nation. So when we say the word set apart, do you mean that, do you know, realize that that means that you are, you are, you belong exclusively to God? Now, I know that was a word a long time ago. You know, I don't know, young people, y'all even use that word, exclusive. Ever even heard of that word? We're in an exclusive relationship, right? I'm going to paint the picture of what it means. That means it's me and nobody else, right? You know, that exclusive relationship means you ain't got eyes for anybody else that, you know, you're together and there ain't no separate, you know, it's just in that exclusive relationship. You're not looking for others. You're finding satisfaction in that one whom you have that exclusive relationship with. And, and it is just A and B with no C, right? You know, it's just, that's it. That's all it is. It's just, it's just simple. You know, there's no, it's, it's exclusive. It's simple, right? But that's, that's, he set us apart as exclusively what? His. Now, he's ex- he set you apart as his, but do you know, and I, we talked about that, you know, he has chosen you, but do you choose him? Right? He has set us apart. So our, we have to realize that our citizenship is in heaven. So we obey heaven's law and seek to please heaven's, heaven's Lord, okay? So we got to realize in the Bible, they mess this up all the time. They were so focused on this earth and this kingdom that they never understood the importance of the eternal kingdom. Even in the Old Testament, I think God was trying to bring his kingdom to earth. But there was just a lack of understanding or willingness or submission or obedience. There was something there. But if we're not careful, we all have those same flaws. Don't be so quick to judge the Israelites because you might look just like them. What's your response? What's your heart? Where are you at? Okay? You know, so they begin to walk down and, and they put up walls that separated, you know, making it, you know, make, taking away the, 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 the specialness and the, and the distinctness that, that, that God really wanted when he, when, he set, when he set us apart. So God commanded, you know, us to, that he, he, said, he said in Levi, Levi, uh, Leviticus 10.10, 10, he says, 
Um, there should be a difference between the holy and unholy, and there should be a difference between the unclean and the clean. But they ignored the differences and they disobeyed God and it would just look like a cocktail concoction of like, man, there's nobody standing out. I can't tell who the righteous are and I can't tell who the wicked are. And Lord, help us. If that's the case, as, we, as us being set apart, a holy nation. So that holy, that is that setting apart, but a nation is a people group. Okay? It's a people group. Philippians 3, 20 through 21, it says, But our citizenship is in heaven. And as we eagerly wait our Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables Him to bring everything under His control, will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like His glorious body. Do you realize that says that it will transform our lowly bodies? That means here and now. That doesn't mean once we get to heaven. That means He wants to work in us right now. As he set us apart, he also wants to purify us. Just like holy being set apart, he also wants us to be holy in a righteous, pure kind of way. You realize that? So we've been set apart, but we must remain set apart by modeling holiness. Do you realize that it's God's standard, really, that, uh, that establishes the... Uh, his word establishes the standard. Say, well, what are the rules? What are we supposed to do? What does God expect? If you will begin to crack open this word and just begin to do what it says, that you will believe what it says, that you will reject what it says to reject, that you'll call sin by what it says sin is, rather than what culture has compromised it to, then you will have a set of standards that honor God and support His biblical perspectives and, and, and models rather than the perspective of yourself. You know, one thing, one of the, the things that I have noticed is just a, uh, and, and all, all the young adults in this room proceed with caution as culture continues to get more and more chaotic. All you young adults looking at me? You looking down? Don't, hey, you looking at me? Hey, it's going to get bad. Say, Mom, Dad, I don't even know what to do. There's so many options. There's so many choices. There's so many, there's so many compromises. Well, I'm doing better than so-and-so, but if you're still reducing God's standard, you're still not meeting his standard. Well, I only kissed her once. Have you given your heart away? Well, maybe, Dad, I don't even know what that means. Like, you think about it, you know, but it's one step after another where you just begin to just, because everybody else is doing it. Nobody's reading the word. Nobody wants to, you know, it's not popular. You know, I feel like as a pastor, when I preach hard truth, man, you know, it's going to do one of two things. It's going to encourage you to be correct and to walk a holy lifestyle, or you're going to get ticked as all get out, and you're going to walk out of, the, out of these doors of these church, and you're going to say, that pastor, he's just judging me. I'm not judging you. I'm just telling you what the word of God says. Allow the word to judge you. But what does it say about judgment? It says, if you would judge yourself... You'd be better off. Ain't nobody judging me, and I ain't even going to judge myself. I'm going to do whatever I want. Good luck with that. Right? We have to allow the Word of God to be that compass that really uh, uh, continues to, nav as we navigate this chaotic culture, what God expects, what His standard is, what is right, what is wrong. Hey, you know if you don't know what to do, you shouldn't do anything? Let me give you that, let me give you that little nugget. Because like, I know as growing up, going to college, going to school, making all these decisions, you don't know what to do. You don't say, well, 
I don't know what's down there. It's kind of scary. Shoot, I'll just jump. Idiot, don't jump. <laughs> know what you're doing before you do it. Hey, I've been there, done that. I'm just telling you. It's life skills here, man. You can't learn this in college. Making poor choices and, and realize that poor choices will lead you down a road you don't want to go down. Even if it's a choice out of innocence. But if you don't know the answer, don't do it. If you know the answer is a no, guess what? Don't do it. Same response. But on the, other, on the other side of that coin, as God, as God leads you and guides you, when He says yes, go for it. And I had a... Laura left to, to go to Brazil. All of the stuff finally worked out where she was able to get her test. Laura's my sister-in-law. She's a missionary of the house. And I didn't get emotional. I don't think I'm going to get emotional. I'm going to think about it, but I'm not going to think about it. But, man... You know, there, there was this, I'm sure this fear and trembling, but utmost confidence in who the Lord is in guiding her steps. You know, they, they, they put a picture on Facebook. My kids were with them. I wasn't there. Um, but it said, Cassidy is putting on her brave face for Aunt Laura, which I meant, I'm just trying not to cry. But then Laura posted later, and I saw that. She says, it's okay. I'm putting on my brave face also. So we have to understand that sometimes in life, some of the things that orchestrated in our God's perfect plan are hard, and they're difficult, and they're not easy, but it's still the right choice. Man, I remember every time I transitioned in my life, I'm giving you a lot of nuggets this morning, every time I transitioned in life, it was hard because I was emotionally, my heart was given to, you know, when I quit doing youth ministry, I did youth ministry for about two and a half years. When, I st when God was relocating me in a different ministry in the church, man, I tried to figure out every excuse not to leave youth ministry because my heart was in it. Felt like I was letting the kids down. Nobody could do it like I was going to do it. Who's going to take it after I step out? But when God tells you to do something, guess what? You got to do it. Broke my heart. You know, I weaseled around. I said, Lord, well, can I lead worship in the youth ministry? He says, no. So, so the, the, the direction that he gave me, he said, he said, Noe, I've called you to be a worship leader, not a youth pastor. So what God was telling me, I knew what it meant. It meant I'm transitioning you out of you so that you can focus on worship a little bit more focused for a little while. I didn't know what God was doing at the moment. I see what he's done now, now that I'm here. At the moment, I thought God was being a bad guy, and he was like not letting me do fun youth ministry. So I was like, that was my response when he said, hey, I'm moving you into worship, not youth. God, can I, uh, can I lead worship in the youth ministry? <laughs> That's not what I told you, and I knew that. You know, so... But God will confirm his word to you. You realize that? I'll give you a quick story. So in that same situation, when I transitioned out of youth ministry and into worship, um, I felt God specifically say, hey, I've called you to be a worship leader, not a youth pastor. That doesn't mean I can't do youth ministry. That doesn't mean that I can't worship. That doesn't mean I should just be a worship leader. You know, we got to see that in big picture too, right? It was a seasonal moment of God changing in my life where he had to be very direct in how he said it. But he said, I've called you to be a worship leader, not a youth pastor. I struggled and struggled and struggled with that. Almost fought God over it. I said, Lord, if that's what you're saying, you got to confirm it to me. You ever done that? Fleeced it out. That's what it's called. You lay the fleece out and say, Lord, if this is you. Lord, if this is you. You know, and I mean, I don't know. I mean, some of us keep fleecing. And God's already proved himself strong and he's already spoke it to you. But two weeks later, I had a really good friend in the church. 
He said, man, I meant to talk to you last week, but you were busy talking to somebody, and I got out of there. He said, I don't have a clue what this means, but I just want you to know that God told me to tell you you're called to be a worship leader, not a youth pastor. That's all I got for you. And he walked away, and I was like, all right, Lord. I got it. I fleeced it. I had the answer. And at that point, I was either going to be obedient or disobedient. There was no more wiggle room. God removed all of that. But I knew that I w- what I was supposed to do. So in our life, those choices that we make can cause us to, li- to take the high road of living a holy life, or we can take the easy road that leads to destruction. Anytime there's a why in the road, it's critical times. You can't just keep going straight, right? Sometimes the road, one road will lead to complacency and seasons of destruction, and then other roads may lead to the perfect provision and plan of the Lord. But as God sets us apart, we also have to be set apart as holy and right. And I hope we're looking more and more like Jesus the longer we live. So Pastor Noe, I still look pretty rough. Let God keep doing his part and you do your part. Because he set you apart exclusively his. Israel forgot this, you know, that they were a holy nation. They began to break down, put these walls of division, separation. Let's not do that same thing. But let's, let's, let's stay exclusively in close relationship with God, realizing our citizenship is in heaven as we eagerly await our Savior. So we've been set apart, but we must remain set apart by, making, by modeling holiness. So God's Word reestablished the standard. We must not only be hearers of the Word, but we must be doers of the Word. You ever ask me what to do, and it's already in the Bible. I'm just going to tell you what the Bible says. It's easy when it's wrong, too. Like, you're like, what do you think about this? It's, like, it's completely disobedient to the Word of God. <laughs> easy answer. Well, that's not, it's not really nice. I'm sorry, it's not nice. It's what God's standard is, it's what He expects. You know, uh, we're not going to be a church that tells you what you want to hear. We're going to be a, be a church that strives to the utmost importance to tell you what the Bible says, and that we would also live lifestyles uh, of supporting those principles and practices and that we would be doers of the word, not just hearers of the word. Romans 6, 1 through 4, it says, What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? Verse 2, by no means. We are those who have, who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us, that we were baptized into Christ Jesus, were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, that we may live a new life. You know, that's the hope and promise we have. We can overcome it because Jesus overcame it. So whatever you're dealing with, whatever you're ensnared with, whatever you're struggling with, whatever you feel like, Pastor Noe, if I could get rid of this one thing, but because Jesus resurrected, and he's sitting at the right hand of the Father. Everything is, is made in a configuration where you can have freedom in that area in your life. You can be set apart. And you can be holy. You are a priest. You are called to be a carrier of the presence of God. You are called to minister before God. You are called to command blessing over people. That is who you are. Point right here. Point to yourself. St. Pastor Noah, this is, this is, that's who you are. And you have to realize that this morning. If you have an exclusive relationship, you're focused only on that one person. There are no others. 
you are His and He is yours. This really means that you're pursuing no others, but you're exclusively His. Do you realize that God will not settle for second place in your life? He has set you apart as fully His. He won't compromise. He will not be satisfied being second best in your life. And He'll wreck your world to get, to get, to get those point across on that. Deuteronomy 4, 23-24, it says, Be careful not to forget the covenant the Lord your God has made with you. Do not make for yourself an idol in, in the form of anything the Lord your God has forbidden. That's a very broad passage. Don't form anything that the Lord your God has forbidden. For the Lord your God is a consuming fire and a jealous God. Deuteronomy 4, 23-24. You know, it's okay for God to be jealous. I know when we hear the word jealous, like you're like, that's a bad thing. You shouldn't be jealous. God has every right to be jealous because he's 100% right. It's, it's, it's not, jealousy is not coming out of something broken, but it's coming, about, coming from who he is. And if he's jealous, it's something not right on your end. I guarantee it. It's not on his end. But it says he's a jealous God. He is a consuming fire. So, you know, uh, most of the time, you know, that jealousy, like I said, is not a good thing. But God is not jealous because of insecurity. But he is jealous righteously, especially if you've set up an idol in your life. There's also a reason why he is a consuming fire, because, you know, an idol will not stand in the presence of the Lord. It's many a stories about, you know, idols falling off, breaking all these things like, man, what's happening then God with his little pinky fingers is going like this. Got it. He will not allow those things to stand in his presence. So God has set you apart exclusively to be his, but we must be loyal and committed to him. So when I ask you the question, who are you? Or you ask the question of yourself, who am I? First and foremost, do you know that you are a priest? And do you know that God has set you apart this morning? Realize that? You guys stand up with me. We'll get out of here. You know, one thing that I'm always so mindful of is that those who are God's, do you realize he takes care of them? If you are his, he takes care of you. It's just like, just like my children. You know, like I take care of my children. They don't realize it. They don't know all the stuff daddy was doing this week to try to make sure they had water, make sure the heat, man, my heater quit working. I opened that thing. I started knocking on stuff. I got it back and, you know, regulator was messing. I said, I guess it's just clogging up. Hit that thing. Man, I did like three or four times sitting there watching TV or just hanging out. They don't know all the stuff daddy's doing for them. We're guilty of that sometimes. You don't know all the stuff Father God is doing for you. But as he enlightens you to what he's doing, stay set apart. Stay near to him. Allow him to fight his battles for you. Man, there's this one of my favorite songs that's been going on right now. He says, you know, you fight my battles and I'll praise. That's, that's the whole part of the song. He says, man, Lord, you fight my battles. I'm just going to praise you. We're going to praise God and allow him to fight on our behalf. When I see no way, I begin to praise and then I get, begin to see the, 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 the waters part. I begin to see provision for what I didn't think was going to happen. God is faithful. He takes care of his own. He has set you in the house. He has called you a priest. He has set you apart with a purpose and a plan. 
But there's power in knowing whose you are. And if you know whose you are, it will remind you of who you are, which is the whole point of this people series. Let's pray this morning, all right? Father, I thank you for your goodness to us. Father, first and foremost, I thank you that we are priests in your house, in your kingdom. Father, it's bigger than just the four walls of this church. Father, I pray that we would act like priests, not just in these four walls, but everywhere we go. Father, we would also set ourselves apart as you have set us apart. Father, I pray that, you know, that that word exclusive would just torment us to the point of where we would be looking at every era of, of our life to making sure you're number one. That we would have an exclusive relationship with you, which means no others. Father, if there are any idols on the throne of our heart, Father, I pray that you would remove those. And Father, that you would reveal those to us. Father, I thank you for the hope and the promise that we have in you. That every good and perfect gift comes down from you, God. Father, we so count it a privilege to be called your sons and daughters of a royal priesthood, a holy nation set apart for your purpose and your plan. Father, I bless each one under the sound of my voice. God, I pray that today that identity and purpose and understanding and gifting and calling and anointing, God, be released on your people. Father, we just silence the voice of the enemy, Lord, over your people. Lord, you say that your sheep hear your voice and not another will they listen to. So, Father, I pray that this week that there would be open ears to your voice. And, Father, we just shut the mouth of the enemy. Send it back to the pit of hell where it belongs. You can't have us. You can't have our children. You can't rule and reign in our home. But, Father, we allow your blood to make atonement for every area of our life. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would just come and that you would do the work in us now that only you can do. That you would change, that you would restore, that you'd mend, that you'd heal. Father, that we would walk in health and wholeness. Father, that we wouldn't hold offense. Father, forgive us of judgments maybe that we've made against other people. Or some of us are under judgment because we've made those judgments. So, Father, I pray that you would just break the power of those false judgments. And, Father, that you would just release your grace and your provision and your presence in our lives. Father, I thank you for who you are. Lord, I pray you keep working on us. Be patient with us. Be patient with us, God. But, Father, I pray that you would just begin to stir those embers in our heart. That all of those things that are worthless would just burn up. That we would be like gold refined by the fire. Pleasing and acceptable to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, y'all be blessed. Thanks so much for hanging out with us. Thank you for joining us for the Harvest Time Church podcast. We hope you've been encouraged and empowered. If you'd like more information about our family, please write us at 42 FM 2540 South, Bay City, Texas 77414. Or check us out on the web at harvesttimebaycity.com.